Welcome to Bethel Radio Hour, where Bible study and radio collide. Tonight in our segments, we will be discussing Romans 8, 31 through 34, sharing sugar sticks, and then conversing about the layman's service on Sunday. I am Dawn Kingston, your producer tonight while Molly is out, and joining me on the panel is Pastor Ben Kingston, Dr. Gavin Hooks, and Mr. Ryan Mayberry. Gentlemen, riddle me this. What is always in front of you but can't be seen? Future. And you can text it to that number on the screen. Hair. But she gave me an easy one. Hair. Because, Gavin, what did you say? Future. Did you say that too? No, I didn't say Oh, I thought Gavin is right. Woo-hoo! The future. For once. For once. Wow. She ga- I think Ryan she gave me usually an gets easy it. one. Yeah. It's a millennial a riddle. Young person. <laughs> yeah, he got it. I'm thrilled. All right. So um, for those of you that are in the audience, if you would like to share your own answer, which we already have the answer to that one, or um, you would like to talk about anything that we discuss in our talking tonight, please um, text it to the number on the screen. And then, as always, if you listen later online, please comment your answer on the Facebook post and then like and share so others can join in on the fun. Tonight, we're going to let Pastor Ben Kingston talk about Romans 8, 31 through 34. Well, we're all going to talk about it, but I'm going to get it started. You're going to read it. That's right. Um, Also, just a little uh, attaboys uh, to Ryan, uh, Brandon, John, and Molly. I heard it all went wonderful. Uh, we weren't I able to. No, Ryan. Oh, that's right. Here. That's it right. Was it was Brandon. John, Jamie, Brandon, I mean, and Molly. Molly. Yes, it, they did a great right. job. And uh, so, the uh, unfortunately, it wasn't recorded. So, uh, or all of it wasn't, and that's okay because uh, we appreciate Kenny uh, batting in for uh, Brother Brad. We're all back, uh, with the exception of Molly tonight, and then uh, Brother Alex Shamel is on the list uh, to fill in for us. So he'll be next up when one of us has to, to bow out. And so it's wonderful to have folks that are willing to step in. Uh, if you're interested in that, you can uh, ask us and get on the list. With that said, we're going to dive in here to Romans chapter 8, 31, 34. The expression that my pastor used to always say at Temple is, this is getting under the spout where the glory comes out. Uh, this is really, really, really positive and good stuff. So it says, Paul says, what then shall we say to these things? If God is for us, who is against us? Now, we'll keep reading here in a moment. But, you know, when when I read that earlier this week, studying and preparing for this time here, I mean, it it just stops you in your tracks. If you know who God is, if you know his character, character traits, if you know what he's done, if you know what he's promised to do, uh, you know, the expression is there's nothing he can't do but lie type thing and so this is so full of uh, hubris but in a truthful and good way it's so full of encouragement you know what then shall we say to these things if God is for us who can be against us Uh, then it goes on he that spared not his own son but delivered him up for us all how shall he not also with him freely give us all things 
who shall lay anything to the charge of God's elect? It is God that justifieth. Who is he that condemneth? It is Christ Jesus that died. Yea, rather, that was raised from the dead. Who is at the right hand of God, who also maketh intercession for us? So we're not going to have any trouble filling it, the time with this. Uh, you guys got anything to say about that first section that we talked about there? What shall we say then to these things of God is for us? Who is against us? Anytime you're making a big decision, you should always uh, consult with Scripture. You should go to Scripture and look for guidance. And when I had gotten out of vet school, uh, I had a lot of experience, life experience before going into vet school, came out with some business experience. I actually worked for Ken Ken Burnett, our, our father-in-law, and had worked in industry for 10 years before I went back to school. So I had a lot of experience there. Coming out of vet school, I was chomping at the bit to own my own practice and probably too eagerly was seeking that and nothing happening. So finally I said, okay, God, if you want me to work where I'm at right now for the rest of my life, it, it's yours. Literally the next week, I got a call from the doctor who sold me this practice, literally a week afterwards. And I kept, kept saying, okay, Lord, is this me wanting this really badly? Because that could be really hazardous. Because sure. I really want something. You might, you might give me what I really want to teach me a lesson. Uh, <laughs> yeah, okay, you? here you go. Yeah, the, the fatherly approach. Out. All right, you want this, son? Here you go. So uh, I, I just prayed and prayed and prayed that God would give me peace. Now, because I knew there would be times when I would feel like God gave me what I wanted to, to teach me a lesson. And maybe some of that was there. But you have to have a a confidence and a, a surety that this is the door that God wants you to walk through. And once you do, don't, don't look back. If God is for us, who could be against us? And uh, I could write a book on all the, the foils and the victories that have happened over the last 22 years there. But, but I've always come back to that. God, I had peace at the very beginning that this was your open door to me, and I, and I walked through it. So I'm, I'm going to trust you to to get through whatever's going on at the time and give you praise for all the blessings that you've given and and it's just another testament when you're trying to make a life decision go to the scripture and this is one of the verses that i that i held to when, when i made the decision okay if this is your your will then i i'd be foolish and in disobedience to not walk through it i've been asking for the opportunity and you've given it i should take it and i think that's something important too we all need that person that asks us the question, have you prayed about it? Hmm. Have you sought the Lord? Because y'all have heard me talk about the experience as a youth director when I had one of my youth come in and just, you know, vomit uh, all the things that he's going to do. And when I said, oh, okay, that, that's great, but have you prayed about it? He got offended. He got mortally offended. <laughs> I mean, to the point that we didn't have a great relationship for a while. You know. Yikes. Yeah, and I'm like, dude, I, I have been telling you in youth class for years now, you don't do anything without praying about it first, so on and yeah. so forth. Now, one thing, though, I want to ask, Ryan, Dawn, Gavin, um, I, you think I'm correct here when it says who is against us? I don't think that Scripture or the Holy Spirit is precluding that there's no one going to be against you. Yeah, and that's what I was about as to say, As much as who are they compared yeah. to? can is the pivotal word here right. it, this doesn't say who will speak against you or right. who will try to be against you it says who can uh be against us so right. who will be able to prevail against us that's in right the face of god i think yeah, is what's getting at because i think it's important i mean i'm all for 
sun and rose glasses, however that goes. But the reality is, is that your, your path to getting that uh, business was difficult, you know. And, and, and keeping it. <laughs> and keeping it and, and surviving it and all those. Uh, our paths to God's will in our lives is going to be difficult. But who can be against us if God is for us? Yeah. I think a lot of times people, uh, Satan puts a block with this one because um, we think Satan made me do it. Satan's against me. I can't get out of that hole because he's against me. But this says right here, if God is for us, who can be against us? Satan can't even overcome the power of God. Amen. So He didn't when he tried. Yeah, he didn't. Yeah. So he didn't win. Right. So who can if God, you know, yeah. God? Go ahead. I was just going to say that, uh, and it just came in when Dawn was saying that, a lot of times Satan will say, look what you've done. You, right. you don't That's deserve right. You, if he you, can't you get you to back off, you oh, yeah. Fool. You think yeah. you're going to succeed at this? Yeah. Right. Amen. Well, and, and also, I think we should include ourselves in that who is against us, <laughs> you know? Yeah. But because sometimes we cut our nose off to spite our face, yeah. you know? We're and, and our sometimes, worst enemy. Sometimes. Right? We're our worst enemy. As I have said many times, we're the worst people to take advice from sometimes <laughs> is ourselves. So, but, but, but when you include all of those opportunities, God is still for us. He, he works things out in spite of us and through us and to his glory. Okay, the, he, and then now he just starts, you know, it's almost like he's standing before the bar and he's winning his case, you know. Uh, what should we say then? If God is for us, who is against us? He didn't even spare his own son. If he's going to give up, you know, the expression is in a preacher way, he bankrupted heaven, you know. If he would bankrupt heaven for you and me, he's going to do what we need him to do to bring about his will in our lives. If we will, if, I mean, you know, all we have to do is cooperate with him. All we have to do is say, yes, Lord, you know, uh, and, and realize if he is for us, who can be against us? The, the age old and even the original charge that, that was held against God was that he's holding something back from you. Satan's first right. lie was, "Oh, God's trying to withhold from you yeah. the, you know, what to, what what it is to be like God," and here here we see that he, he's not. He's actually going. He's giving his son so that you can be like God right. uh, and restore that image. So you know, uh, but delivered him up. He, he gave Jesus to the tormentors. He gave Jesus to, if you will, our sin to be judged by the righteous Father. I had a person get upset at me one time when I said that God poured out his wrath on his son. Isn't that scripture? <laughs> I'm pretty sure that's almost an exact quotation. And, and a guy just took me to task because I, God would never treat his son like that. That's the only it, thing that you it, and I are counting on for salvation is that God treated his son like that. By his wounds were healed. Yeah. Uh, all we like sheep are gone astray. Right. Everyone to his own way. But the Lord right. hath laid on him our, our iniquity, the iniquity of us all. So that's a little butchering there. but Right. But as a result, as a result of God giving up his son to his wrath for our sin, he, as a result, freely gives us all things. So, and this is reminiscent, of course, He's the same author of Ephesians chapter 1, but, you know, we've been blessed with all spiritual blessings. We, we have any and everything we need, again, to do what God has called us to do. So, who shall lay anything to the charge 
of God's elect. Now, th this is where we get into, I think, again, the whole salvation by grace through faith, once saved, always saved, and all those wonderful things. And, and that is, is that, including ourselves, if we truly know Christ, there is nothing that's going to convince God to turn his back on us. There is nothing that's going to cause him to pluck you and I out of his hand, even ourselves. And so uh, who shall lay anything to the charge of God's elect? I don't know, but it would be my assumption that he's basically pointing this towards the devil, the accuser of the brethren. He's circling back back a little bit to right. the first verse here, too. Right. There is therefore now no condemnation to those who are in Christ, who walk not after the flesh, but after the spirit. He's just reiterating right. that. And I think it further emphasizes the point that this is talking long-term, is talking about an afterlife, not necessarily on this earth. Because if you think you know, that there will always be justice on earth, I mean, you must not be above 12 years old. I mean, right. <laughs> I yeah, mean you're not paying attention. Yeah, read the Gulag Archipelago and then tell me that there's always justice on earth. It does, it's not what he's talking about necessarily. Right. But then that also argues for the existence of an afterlife too, because if he's promising that there will be justice and there clearly isn't always now, then there will ultimately there will be. be. Yeah. yeah. Well, and that, that's a good YouTube uh, song to look up, uh, The Judgment. And it's an old song, oh, uh, but, but it's good. It uh, talks about the judgment of sinners, talks about the judgment of the devil, uh, and the praising that goes on after the devil you know, gets his. Uh, and the such. Didn't we do a play with mm -hmm. that song? Years, Years ago. With Ryan the wasn't even a gleam in his father's I, eye I, when I, we did it. It was that. a long time ago, but it was me. Uh, it is, see, so it is God that justifieth. Who is he that condemneth? It is Christ Jesus that died. So in other words, uh, if you're going to judge, you're going to have to pass through God. If you're going to condemn, you're going to have to realize that Christ has already been condemned for yours and my sins. Uh, so, yea, rather, that was raised from the dead. And, and that rather there would be suspect a little, I think, uh, maybe what we're it trying to get at. more than that. Right, in ESO, right. So. Not, not so much rather as opposed to, but not only did he die, but he also rose from mm -hmm. the dead. New King James says, furthermore. There you go. Now, that's it. Furthermore. That's good stuff. Um, who is at the right-hand throne of God, who also maketh intercession for us and again this is the guy that stood over at least one if not other Christians executions and, and, and he's he's telling us you know I am so far by grace removed from who that guy was that I can tell you without any compunction of guilt or pain that just as Jesus was interceding for Stephen, Jesus intercedes for me, you know. And how, how de deep is the grace of God that I can say that, you know, I'm, and I'm speaking as if I were Paul. And uh, that judgmental attitude sometimes we have towards somebody else, that you've said this many times, that we're saying that it wasn't, Christ's suffering wasn't enough. Something sure. else should be paid. Either that person should suffer more or I should be able to punish that person the same thing happens to us too. We don't we don't forgive ourselves. We we will want to hang on to something we've done. Christ's suffering wasn't enough. We right. have to suffer too. So I, I think that there's a some chains there that need to be removed. We yeah. we want to we want to persecute and, and um, 
self-flagellate ourselves and punish ourselves uh, when Christ has already done it. And we have a hard time forgiving ourselves. Sometimes we have a hard time forgiving others. So we need to get past that. We need to work through that. And, and you know, I, I can't go into detail, but recently I, I've, I've set through, if you will, some of this, uh, this week type deal, that the very thing you're wanting to be accomplished through you is not being accomplished because you're still back here at the starting line trying to settle scores you know and, and and man let that go christ died for that let that go now let's move forward because the the very thing and, and i'll put it to me if, if i'm not careful the, the the very thing that i hope and want and think should happen i'm dismantling by my poor choices you know and the such prejudices and, right right yeah, yeah. It would have been great if Christ had just come to die for us. He would have paid for our sins. That would have been great. But he went further and demonstrated his power over death. Not just that he paid for the sins, but he demonstrated his power over sin. That the power of sin is to, is to kill, to separate. And Christ demonstrated his power over that. So that reminds me of a... This is an unbiblical joke, but, but I think you'll get the point. Uh, the town drunk that came to faith and got baptized and the preacher you know said uh, brother this river is going to wash your sins away and the drunk said pray for the fish <laughs> <laughs> toxic waste yeah. <laughs> all right uh so i usually ask molly at this point how are we doing on time we're doing really well on our time okay, right now so, so do we need to expand? Let me just stretch out. Well, we, we, we can, can go ahead, and we may take a little longer yeah. on the sugar, sugar sticks. sticks. Sure. So we can start with that. Um, who wants to go first on their sugar stick? I'll go first. Uh, mine is goals. I've goals. Noticed that uh, it's a good it's a good motivator. I mean, it seems super simple to say it, but it's pretty vital if you want to be successful. I think just to have if goals in mind. If you aim at nothing. Yeah, aim up and you'll get there type of do thing. Do you write your goals down or do you just I'm, have them mentally? I have them mentally right now, but I've really been pushing to start writing them down lately. I have to. Mm -hmm. So write what's key to reaching a goal? Keep make, making it reachable. Yeah, measurable. Uh, Smart. Yeah, making it measurable, putting a timeline on it. Yeah. Um, I think those are both good. Being specific, like you can't say, you know, I'm going to eat less. You have to say, Correct. you know, I'm going to eat such and such amount. For, and yeah. just as an example. This is how I'm going to do it. Yeah. I'm going to stop buying this. I'm going to mm -hmm. start doing this. Yeah. And taking those, those, I don't want to say baby steps. That's too trite. But taking mm -hmm. those hard, concrete steps to, to get toward it. Yeah. yeah. Amen. And, and so along those lines, Ryan, I, I think that there's different people, different types of people. And so there's different ways to achieve those goals. One of the things that has helped me is I'm a problem solver. And so I try to come up with a problem and solve it. Mm -hmm. That's you good. Know? Right, right. Uh, and so for me, that becomes the goal. Mm -hmm. You know, here, here's the goal. Get this Seek fixed. Seek out your problems. And That's solve right. It. Yeah. That's right. And a well, well uh, described well problem is, is a problem half solved. Yep. And I wish I could remember who said that because that's good <laughs> stuff. It is. Uh, I think he's a, and I should be able to recall his name. Zig Ziglar? No, he worked for uh, James Dobson, and he's a consultant for preacher types and church types and uh just really good and he's the one that introduced the problem solving uh and introduced that phrase mm -hmm. to me but oh um 
another thing I'm doing these days along those lines is mind dumping. So at the beginning of the day, I'll just do a mind dump. Everything that the devil, the world, the Lord, everything that's being bombarded to me, I just dump it, get it on the list. And then the rest of the day, the rest of the week, I work off of that list. I like that, yeah. yeah. Kind of it, it's helped it. me a lot. Yeah. Because otherwise, your brain is frying. Mm-hmm. <laughs> to, yeah, it's know, good handle. to get it all out and just try to organize it. Put it so you even know what you think. Otherwise, it's just a jumbled up mess. Right, it, it is. Warring against so each other. so much working at the same time. Mm-hmm. If he doesn't get it down, then he loses parts Forgets of it. She, she it, yeah. has seen yeah. me in mental lock. Yeah. <laughs> and I'm just staring me. at the wall. And she's like, what are you doing? I'm like, I don't know. Trying to get back <laughs> to that. I, to I know that look. <laughs> <laughs> I've seen that look. In the mirror. Not All right, amen. All right. Good yeah. stuff. Uh, Gavin, you got a sugar stick? So I, I keep coming back to this. and I, I just Curiosity? Like curiosity. <laughs> So we played hooky last week. I'm going to confess here, and oh, we went you to went on a trip. We, well, this weekend we, we did, but we yeah. last Wednesday we went to see Jordan Peterson. And oh, oh, to oh, him. you're right. You're, I'm very sorry. good. Really Excellent. Right. I, a more insightful guy about scripture you will never meet. You, you will never meet. So he he made some comments that were just very insightful, and it, a great mind will always make an insightful statement and make a complicated thing simple, simply stated. So he, he made a comment about the burning bush and, and Moses' burning bush, and he said that inspiration acted on leads to freedom. And he used that as an um, example. He gave the, you know, the tree, tree is, a, is a symbol of life, and the flame, so a life aflame is an inspired life. So he, he just, you know, gave the symbols and then gave the meaning behind those symbols. And, and so... It was curiosity that got Moses to the burning bush. And life changes when you start pulling on that thread just out of curiosity where it goes. Just start picking up breadcrumbs and looking at where that goes. Um, and the best example I can remember just off the top of my head this afternoon was uh, David Barton. His entire ministry started because he was curious about what happened in school systems once they banned prayer. I said, I wonder if you could, you could quantify anything that's changed since they banned prayer in schools. He was a teacher. The so, answer is yes. <laughs> and, and he documented it. Yeah. And that was the beginning of a multi-million dollar ministry in uncovering our heritage as a nation. So, so, we, so how many times did, how many laps did Moses make in the desert before he stopped and said, you know, that tree's been burning now for six days. <laughs> this is like the seventh lap we've done here, and it's still burning. Let's go ahead, check it out. Because he obviously had seen it for a length of time to know that it wasn't being consumed. And that it was different than other bushes, I guess. I yeah, mean, if you're something a, a shepherd in the desert, you've seen burning bushes before. Yes, you know what they're right. supposed to look like. And they right. probably take about 15 seconds to, to go mm-hmm. away. So, right, right. So, uh, you heard uh, a cedar. Kaboom. You know, yeah. no, <laughs> not fast. that I would know. <laughs> I guess uh, I've never really thought about that with Moses, though I... I'm curious. So my first time I would see it, I wouldn't think I'd have to do any laps. You would I think. would just go straight to it, you would think. And so in, when we were in Las Vegas, we went up to the top, the French Mountain. It's overlooking the, the air base and uh, Nellis Air Force Base. You can see the entire city of Las Vegas end to end from the top of that mountain. We watched a train cross that desert. It looked like a miniature toy, toy train. You can see for 30 miles from the, wow. from the so. I'm thinking Moses had to see that a couple of miles away, right. maybe even 10, 15 miles away, could see this burning object 
And as he approached, it's not getting dim, it's not getting dimmer, it's not going away. So it may have just been one trip, but he started miles away saying, hey, what's going on? If there's a big, either a big campfire up there so or something's going on. Well, but, but put yourself behind Moses's insignificancies and insecurities. So, you know, he's sitting there in the, in the desert and he's living off his father-in-law's wealth. I'm sure he's, he's working hard. He, you know, he's, he's developing his own. He's taking the hardships in the yeah. back of the desert. Yeah. And, and he realizes, oh, this, this may be God. <laughs> <laughs> well, that might be worth another three days of walking. Yeah. I, you know. Hello. And, and then finally, oh, I better go check it out. <laughs> you know. Uh, the walk of shame. I think yeah. it was just a surprise when he got there because when he, be. he talk, be. starts talking to God and he, um, God says that he is God right. and it says Moses turned his face away in fear. So yeah. he just yeah. kind of showed up out of curiosity and when he got there and realized what it was, right. yeah. it terrifying. It's it, the scripture yeah. reads like what God was waiting for him to turn and have it. Right. So as when God saw that Moses turned in to, to investigate, that's when he spoke to him. So that's my, my sugar stick. When you investigate that Curiosity, something that's been not setting right in your in your heart or in your mind, and you start to tease it out. That's when God starts to speak to you. When he he leaves some breadcrumbs for you, you start to follow him. Things start to happen that you know will get you out of burnout. Will get you out of a desert life. Will get you out of that the I guess the rut that that you've been in. Curiosity is the way. The, um, Jesus said, ask, seek, knock. Curiosity should be part of that, at least as the main driver, because God's going to have something wonderful for you. He's got a commission for you. And when you begin to investigate that, he begins to speak. It will be bigger than your life is now, but he's going to go with you. It will be an adventure and stretch you like never before, tapping potentials you didn't know you had. Uh, so curiosity. They say it killed the cat. I think that's the devil talking there. <laughs> Well, the cat had seven lives, so did it. True. Seven it, times or <laughs> just once and came back. Got, got some mulligans in there. I'm so, going to hold go on just a second because uh, this week at Good News Club, we're actually wrapping up our year this week. Mm. Um, we had um, Moses escape. So when you talked oh. about Moses, it's just going right into that. And we show them Prince of Egypt at the very end. So we talk about um, the plagues and how God uses Moses. But... I will tell you, in the Prince of Egypt, there's no walking. He sees the bush, and he walks straight up That's to right, it. But I think I do want to bring that out because it's this week that we'll see that part where Moses comes up to that uh, burning bush. And, I'm, you know, ask him, when you see that and you're curious, I might bring that out to those kids because they have great questions. They want to know, and they like to, you know, ask questions about, why do you think it was burning? How did it look? And so that would be kind of an interesting that maybe he saw it for a while and he – you know, yeah. was hesitant at first. So, so let's uh, let's salt the oats a little bit tonight, okay? I'm, I'm going to pose a curiosity thread and try to stay away from Sunday school answers. You know, Jesus, <laughs> <laughs> you just do whatever God tells you to do. You know, try to stay away from those answers. And uh, the curiosity thread that I have as, as a missions director of a very small group of churches in Missouri. What, what could be, I'll put it that way, what could be the best approach to getting churches to plant churches? You know what, I'll give you mine. My curiosity thread that I'm pulling on right now is encouraging, first of all, every church to get healthy enough to bear a church, a child. Secondly, 
get to the closest corridor, 44, 70, 55, plant a church there if you yourself are not close enough, and then go up or down that corridor every 15, 30 minutes where there's another town. Now, that, that's just the thread I'm pulling on. But, but what does that look like for you guys? What, you know, and I know this is just absolutely off the top of the brain, but just what's your opinion? First thought is I like yours because it's something practical. It's not just assuming, well, I want to plan a church. God likes churches. It's going to work out. you got to yeah. actually have a plan and execute it. So yeah. I, I like that. Okay. I think it would help like once you get one right. and you have that excitement right. of that group of people to bring them in and, and so they can explain, well, we prayed maybe for right. someone to plan a church and we're so excited that God answered those prayers. And even, you know, because we haven't planted a church in Missouri years. for 30 years so we haven't seen that excitement of people coming to know the Lord that have need a burning bush yeah we need a we need a burning bush need to light somebody on fire <laughs> <laughs> I've got a lot of candidates I just don't know if they'll agree oh. <laughs> light the first in line. <laughs> kidding lighten up uh, but no so, so one thing though Ryan that I've been struggling with is is this too practical am I you, you know, I mean, the bottom line, again, this may be the Sunday school answer, though, that I was trying to avoid. It, it, it's got to be a God movement. And so can I, can I put God in that small of a box? Well, I think saying? my opinion is, so when people say God's will, a lot of people don't really think about it too much. God's will isn't necessarily what is destined to happen. I think God's will is what God wants. So if God wants you to plant a church, then, you know, obviously that's right. part of God's will. It may not be um, a specific person or a specific place. That would be more when, you know, pray yeah. about it and find out if it's you type of thing. Look right. for your burning bush. Yeah. Right. yeah. Um, so I kind of lost my train of thought on that a little no, bit. No, no, it's all good. I, but but I, this is good. This is why I wanted to pull on the thread. Yeah, we're seeing not God's will is not necessarily what's going to happen. It's what yeah, he wants, if, if you don't act on God's will, it's not going to happen. Right. I mean, I, I agree. He has the power to do whatever he wants, but he takes away our free will if he just, you know, enacts whatever his will is. Yeah, forces us into it. And, yeah. And honestly, there, you know, there is a walk of shame that's associated with that. Once, you, once you you realize that you've walked past the burning bush that was your, mm -hmm. your, and you may not even realize it. Yeah. If you weren't and, paying and attention. Yeah, or, right. or you didn't even try to find out. Mm -hmm. You know what I'm saying? I think that's where the, the, the sometimes we're so dead inside we don't even realize that God has a, a an abundant life for us. So. Um, and a burning bush for us to investigate. So in, in my last report to the uh, Merrimack, I basically said if we planted five to ten churches in the next five to ten years and they all averaged 20, which, which arguably is a small church, that would still be more than what we have won through our churches in the last ten years. And and birthed churches always win more than established churches do because their very life depends upon yeah. And it's going to be, I feel like it's a lot more real, talking about realistic goals of, you know, start a church of 20 because it's a lot harder to get a church of 100 started. Right. You might, you got to start somewhere and then grow it from there. And, and you can meet in your house. You don't need a building. You don't need property. You don't need a permit, you know, in most places and, and the such. And then because, honestly, this is a movement among church planting organizations is uh, start a Bible study Bible or Bible studies, group. and and they will get four or five Bible studies that <coughs> average five to twenty, and then and then they will launch, you know, somewhere in a in a storefront or 
you know, in a leased building or whatever, they'll launch with 100 people. But they've been building for three years in, in houses. And, so, and, and that's really close to the first model. Yeah. You know, that's what they did. Mm -hmm. yeah, uh, another, so another somehow to in, in uh, steep into this process, the, what the church does, to start giving that small group of people something to do in the community. That's right. That is they an serve. outreach to start, to start sure. serving, yeah. meeting needs. Um, Share the gospel. Amen. And, and the gospel is accompanied with the hands of Christ to the, the minister to people, to meet people where they're at. Um, you know, that could be physical needs, that could be spiritual needs, that could be anything in between. Uh, and, and having that in, in place for a, a small group to find a, a, a place to serve and, and have the model already in place how to, to continue to grow. Amen. All right. Great discussion. Let's go ahead and we're going to move to our mystery topic. I think Brad's going to put the spin the wheel. Spin the wheel for us. Oh, he oh. didn't get ready. Well, while he's doing that, I didn't share. Molly had her own sugar stick already typed out. But I guess mine would be um, our Bible study, our ladies' Bible study. You know, at first you might think I've grown up in church I know God's word um, but what I found out with our Bible study that Tara Yerke wasn't leading is that we were able to dig so deep and really were able to touch the meat we did get into milk of the scripture but we dug so deep everybody really was able to glean from that and I heard conversation after conversation of how um, they enjoyed it so much of just really getting in there and learning more than they even remember growing up. So that if Denise you're... Denise is it, going on about it, too. Yeah. She really, really liked the study. If you are not in a small group, 530, when we start back up with the ladies over at the MC, yeah, the, it was it was a really good time to, to really learn more about God's Word. What was the name of the book, Dawn? Do you um, remember it? Remember Your Joy, I believe it Remember was. Your Joy? Because Denise was recommending it, it was, for me to read at some point. So. It was Old Testament, but it really pulled in both Old Testament and... Um, showed the new testament as it related it, tara yeah. did an amazing job and the study itself was just amazing on how it put it together and, and really opened my i was like oh i didn't know that i've been in the church all my life that's what denise yeah. was saying the connections were just eye-popping exactly yeah. and, and it was really good so hopefully if you haven't been to one you can come when we start again all right brad has the wheel up let's see all right so mystery topic goes to ben <laughs> so, I really don't like the mystery topic I put in my notes, so I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to change <laughs> on the fly here. Um, I, I just don't feel like being so political. It was really... Oh, I oh yeah, let's so uh, go with Ryan would have loved it, but uh, we'll talk about it later, Brian. Molly would probably like to be here. So, this is what Dawn and I heard at the church in Branson Sunday morning. We got there about five minutes late. And, and it, it was, was first service. Yeah, first, first service. service. Mm -hmm. 350 seats auditorium packed we could not get in so we sat on the outside but they had you know screens screen. everywhere and this is the second time we've been there we still don't know who the pastor is well every person that comes up and speaks identifies themselves as on the teaching staff <laughs> so I'm assuming this is a church. Did you ask if you were? Did you ask if you were on the teaching staff? I should have. I should have. I should have just walked up there and acted like I knew what I was doing. I'm the senior pastor. Great. Thank you for being here today. 
if you and, and Gavin, so th this is in your sugar stick or wheelhouse. If you have a problem loving loving someone, you have a source problem, not a people problem. Because yeah. he was talking yeah, yeah. about basically the the core principle. Yeah. You know, it was it was based on God's love. You know, God is love. First John and the such. Uh, he says God has the corner market on agape love. Amen. Now he used St. Thomas Aquinas's definition, and, and at first. Blanche, I didn't like the definition, you know, his definition of agape love. It's this, to will the good mm -hmm. of another. That's St. Thomas Aquinas' definition of agape love. Well, I've always been told that it's unconditional love. You know, agape love is unconditional love. God loves you no matter what. Well, when you really, you know, soak in this, there's not a lot of separation there, mm -hmm. you know. Because if you're going to will the good of another, <clears throat> it's, it's not based on condition. Mm -hmm. And I think it's backed up by Scripture, too, because, I mean, it, the Bible says, you know, love your neighbor as yourself. As yourself, Yeah, right. you're going to will the good Esteem of Esteem their needs greater than yours, mm -hmm. you know, to will the good of another. So uh, John is separating the identifier of a believer and a non-believer. The identifier is love. If you love others, you are a believer. If you do not, you're not a believer. Mm -hmm. It's good stuff. Mm -hmm. Uh, and so uh, he, he just went on there. He, he is a, uh, he's bivocational. Now, my first thought was a church of a thousand. Pay the poor guy. Yeah. Pretty <laughs> much. He was assistant principal. He was, he was assistant principal. So he was probably wow. doing fine, you know, on that. But, but again, I, I like their approach. Their approach is if somebody's got a skill, let them use that. And we'll pay him a little bit, you know, type thing to, to do his other skill, you know. Uh, so anyway, uh God is 100% full agape love. He is the example, and the goal is to increase in love for one another. I've said that that's similar to that. If you consider, if you think of love as a commodity, and you just don't have it in you to love somebody, God is the source of love. P Peter, uh, when he came out of the gate, and the, there was a guy on the ground. He said, give me some alms, give me some alms. And Peter said, alms have I none, but Such uh, as I, have, give I, I give you. Um, so we, we have an endless source of that, and that is honestly probably the identifier for being a child of God. When you're, when you're in somebody's family, you have resemblance to them. You have the same quirks. Uh, so unfortunately, I see a lot of my quirks in Caleb. I see a lot of things that I do in Caleb, good and bad. I yeah, mean, sure. he's got good, good and bad, mostly the bad, but uh, <laughs> same, same things that I do, habits I do, tendencies I do, I see in my son. Um, same thing's true with our Father in heaven and in the Sermon on the Mount, which I think we're going to talk about here a little bit from Brad's uh, message Sunday. Jesus over and over says, think about your heavenly Father. So uh, at the very end of the chapter 5, he says, be therefore perfect, even as your Father which is in heaven is perfect. And he, he, he says that a lot, your Father which is in heaven, distinguishing him from the Father which is on earth. So your father, which is in heaven, you, you'll be more like him when you love your, your enemy. So that's the, the end of that uh, verse is talking about love. Um, Matthew chapter 5, the last few verses, um, you've heard that it had been said by them of old time, thou shalt love thy neighbor and hate thine enemy. But I say unto you, love your enemies, bless them that curse you, pray for them which despitefully use you and persecute you, that you may be the children of your father, which is in heaven. Um, so... Are, this uh, and 
Romans 8, being conformed to the image of the Son, is that, exactly. It's, it's learning how to be more and more uh, in compliance with that image of God, with that Amen. love. So having that love in our life makes us look like God. So people get a glimpse of God if, if we're looking more and more like God. If our life looks like Christ, people who don't know Christ or have never read scriptures will see a little bit of that. Lord, help me. Uh, I, I think about that, and I, I just shudder. Oh, my gosh. Uh, who saw me driving yesterday? Uh, it, wasn't, it wasn't the image of Christ. Uh, so so. Th th that is really good. You know, I, I think probably one of the biggest compliments that anyone can give someone else is, why would you do that? You know, in other words, when a Christian has shown sacrificial love for someone that didn't deserve it, maybe even deserved something the opposite, yeah. they would say, why would you do that? Because, you know, look what God did for me, you know, and I'm, I'm just I'm trying to mirror. Excuse. I have no excuse That's right. to not That's do right. um, I'd, I'd be ashamed if I didn't, you know, type thing. Uh, All right. Go ahead. Very good. Any other? I'm good. Okay, so we're going to move on. Uh, we have a break, and it says the game never have I ever. I had to ask Molly exactly what this meant. So I'm not sure I remember what this is. You have to come up with something that you have never done. So I'll go first. So never have I ever sleepwalked. Now my I sisters. Multiple times. Well, and yeah. yeah, you that's did. That's too. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, my sisters would probably say that I did I because one time you when you I was sure five, when I was five, I walked out of the bedroom and looked down the hallway and I saw the. Um, wolf from the three little pigs standing in my parents door it was real they you know mom walked through it so i guess it wasn't but i wasn't sleepwalking i really remember seeing that outline but it was just so a shadow but i don't think i was sleepwalking i was just out of bed because i did that a lot just, I just asking could you say never have i ever used recreational drugs <laughs> i was five gavin i was five just but asking. i just remember just i i i came out of the room but i was awake and i saw that like you know a shadow in the door and i, I think that was the book that mom probably read to me before i went to bed but i did scream and they all came out of their bedroom <laughs> sleepwalking is such a to me, it's a terrifying thing because oh. you're, you're doing something, you're acting physically with no control whatsoever. You don't wow. know what you're doing. You don't know where you're at. You don't even know that you did it, but you're doing it. Sometimes wow. yeah, you w don't even know that you did it and you went back yeah. to Yeah, so what are, what are you capable of while you're sleepwalking? Yes. Just, uh, Sarah has done that too. That's why I'm a little nervous for Maverick now. So Ambien has brought Oof. this to a lot of people because Ambien – makes you sleepy but it is it doesn't always put you to sleep mm. and so uh my mother had you know these situations one time she took her meds and then she came back out to talk and while she's talking she just drops her head and she's asleep wow. and we all thought she had a stroke yeah, you know we thought she, she was know dying. what was going on and, and bobby went oh <laughs> yeah, she took a you know meds. we see her once or twice get a some year. cold water right and i'm like well what is happening she's fine she's fine and so it was a literal cartoon thing where you had to put your arms underneath her you know armpits and, you, and her knees were you know she just couldn't Locked. walk yeah. you know i guess asleep. that's the opposite of sleepwalking but um <laughs> She was. I, I, yeah, that's interesting. Sleep hobbling. I don't have a good never have I ever. I've done a lot of things. <laughs> <laughs> that you Can't think of anything I haven't done. That's right. <laughs> Gavin, you got one? 
So again, mine's a little more political and maybe more philosophical than anything. So it's as never have I ever seen a claim of oppression that entitled one to become an oppressor. Mm. Never have I ever seen a, a, a situation of oppression. And many people who've been under oppression would shrink in horror at the thought of being an oppressor. Right. Somebody. So never have mm. I ever seen a claim of oppression or a situation of oppression that entitled someone to be an oppressor. That's very good. Ooh, yeah, that one's deep. Mine cook that one down. Yeah, mine's not very deep either. Mine is, okay. never have I ever seen anyone under the age of 60 drive a new Buick. Under the age of 60? <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's funny, right? Never, ever. Yeah. I mean, I drove an Oldsmobile as my, old, my first car, so I had right. to say a new Buick. But anytime I see a new Buick, I'm like, oh, there's another old person because they're, they're always I doing at least 500 speed limit. <laughs> Every Buick I see, and I drive Maybe by, now. and it's always... Not a spot on it. Yep, yep. not a spot on my it. 60 parents, years old, 5 yeah. under the speed limit. They had the Buicks, though, and they were under 60, my parents. Oh, really? Yeah, they had the Buicks all the time, and I'm sure Dad well, drove more than 60. And, and I think that the symbol of success has changed. Yeah. <laughs> you know, it used to be. 40 years ago, it was a Buick, you know. Now it's Tesla. Tesla, yeah, something like that. All right, very good. So now we're going to transition into the reaction to the layman's service on Sunday. Which only one of the I know I was going to say, yeah, only Ryan no was pressure. here on we're, Sunday. Oh boy. We're, well, we're using Molly's notes. Yeah, that's my phone. Wrong phone. Uh, we're, we're going to use Molly's notes as a guide. And Ryan, certainly you fill in whatever you want to, and then we'll just react basically to Molly's notes and what you have to say. Uh, heard it was a great service. Uh, this started uh, last year. Uh, Dawn and I take uh, the February basically third weekend every year. Uh, th I think it's going to change next year to a different possibly. weekend or possibly just one day deeper into that week. But anyway, um, so, you know, something started happening essentially a year and a half, two years ago, and, and I, I saw amazing things out of, you know, uh, lots of folks, but, but four in particular, two are at this table, uh, Gavin, Ryan, Steve, and Tara. So I asked them to come and share the word or a word that fits the season of life that they feel like they're in. Well, that, that service was just well received uh, and, and it, the Lord blessed. And we went on to have one of the best statistical years that this church has ever seen. And so this year I wanted to do the same thing. Well, again, I, I'm working on some organizational areas of my life. So in December I thought, boy, that February is coming around. So I asked four couples to uh, come up with a, a word and you know let me know if they can do it <laughs> so two weeks ago I thought oh lord help uh, so I, I reached out to them again and so I only had two couples that were able to out of those four couples and so we tried to get you know one or two to, to fill in it just didn't work so I basically told Brad you know you got two couples that are going to do it and then you got 14 minutes because I gave each couple seven minutes just like I gave you guys last year and so uh, Russ and Joyce Eves went first, is my understanding, and then Tom and Lindsay Nays, and then uh, Brad, you know, finished it up. So uh, on Russ and Joyce, uh, their choice was autumn, uh, was the season of life, and uh, more time. Uh, they appreciated more since it was in short supply before. Uh, acceptance of life, uh, God redeems and salvages, uh, and again, these are Molly's notes fun and relaxing, uh, less responsibilities. Uh, they are the leaders of our CR program, so they, uh, Joyce, I think, said CR brought understanding and peace. Uh, this was interesting, I thought. No longer a coach or teammate to children, but a cheerleader. 
you know, so they're cheering on their children as they raise, you know, their grandkids. So, Ryan, what you got anything to add to that? Or um, It's good. It, uh, in a way, it's hard to relate because it's so far in the future. But then at the same time, that's also, if you're not looking that far into the future, you know, it's not right. a very good idea. Right. Because um, back to, you know, old people, like I was talking earlier, um, I was listening to Jordan Peterson, and he made the point, it's obvious, but uh, he said, you know, he, I'm from the time you're 60 until you die, you've got 30 years of being quote-unquote old, so you better be prepared for that type of thing. So right. kudos to Russ and Joyce for preparing so well for that, and that's kind of anytime I hear a sermon or a speech or anything, I try to see how I can apply it, and that's a good way <laughs> to apply it for sure. this early on is to prepare for that time in life so I can enjoy autumn like they're doing, and I'm not, you know, scraping trying to get by at that point in my life. How do you give, give Russ a hard time about autumn, really? Like, like late autumn? Or? Yeah. It's winter. Like in winter, huh? <laughs> <laughs> Bro, you about frost. dead. <laughs> it's terrible. Go ahead, Gavin. Anything else you want to react to that? <laughs> no, of course, uh, I would have loved to have seen that. I, been, I guess it's going to be on the BethelLondale.com. It'll be on, I, we'll post that. I have that, no idea. Is it, do we uh, know if it's been recorded? Yeah, thumbs up back thumbs in the up, sound yeah. booth. Um, so I, I really want to avail myself to that. So, so yeah, and Russ is, um, well, I would consider one of my mentors business life-wise. Um, so, so we have in the past just gotten together and had breakfast early in the morning, but he doesn't go into the city anymore, so right. uh, I've kind of left out on that. But uh, I consider one of my mentors. He gave me some, go some really j gold nuggets for um, dealing with business, how to make decisions about personnel, things like that uh, was really eye-opening. So I'm sorry I missed it uh, Sunday. But you should, everybody should find somebody that's about two miles down the road farther than you are. That's done what you want to do. Yeah, yeah. And, and done it successfully. Mm -hmm. and, yeah. and hopefully Not somebody that can articulate. just got into it and they, right. they got it all figured out. Yeah. So can I tell you, preachers are the worst <laughs> at not doing that. Oh, present oh yeah. company yeah. included. It, it's like, you know, it's, it, it's dumb. It's absolutely, and, and I've, I've tried to get much better in the last several years of, you know, I talk about all the time, that third chair, putting someone in that third chair and listening. Uh, and so it, it's so important. Um, Dawn, you had anything you wanted to add to Russ's and Joyce's? No, I hate that I missed it. Hmm. I will probably try to watch it as well or listen to it. I, I really like that. No longer a coach or teammate to children, but a cheerleader. And, and I, that has been my experience as well. I've got a 30-year-old child, a 25-year-old child, and a 22-year-old child. And I think wise is the parent that takes advantage, full advantage of the time that they get with their child to be that coach, that mentor, and such. But wise is the parent that realizes when that switch is off, <laughs> don't keep trying to be the mentor and the corrector. Yeah. Become the cheerleader. Now, a lot of times you just have to sit there and say nothing because you can't cheer what they're doing. <laughs> it really helps to remember what you were like. Then. No doubt. You know, my, the primary thing that I wanted to enjoy at that time in life was freedom. I wanted to be and see, all I own. remember is that I was the most compliant child that I had ever met. Ooh, you, <laughs> that's, all, that's what he says every He's time. Gonna need a I was so good. My dad would beat me if I was. <laughs> I feared that dude more than anybody.
but I wasn't oh, scared of no Arnold Schwarzenegger, but let Dwayne <laughs> Kingston say something, and I snapped too. Oh. Now, with that said, I am being facetious. Uh, but but I, even he, he knew a time when that stopped. Absolutely. You know, it was tough. Absolutely. That, so. Yeah, and, and he was very much a cheerleader mm. of, of me, and, and my, my older brother was a cheerleader. And, and so a, amen to that. That's good stuff. Uh, Tom and Lindsay Nays, uh, observing and gathering, observing the elders to see what projection of life to follow, gathering memories now, but the opportunity is lost, and I'm not really sure what what that may be. I'm not picking up on that. Yeah, okay. Uh, transitioning, uh, and of course that word means tons of things these days, but I'm obviously believing that he's talking about uh, in his job he's transitioning. He's talking about in Lindsay's job specifically there you go. too and the yeah. kids going back to school. Going back yep. to school. Mm -hmm. Yeah, children are going back to school. They homeschooled for a while. Mm -hmm. uh, job opportunities. Uh, he's building a bank in Springfield mm -hmm. from ground up and he's the super. Nice. Mm -hmm. I can't imagine. It'd be a lot. It'd be a <laughs> lot. And it is a lot. And, mm -hmm. and, but he's handling it. He's, he's doing well. Uh, evolving and deepening relationship. Uh, never going uh, without going without because of God okay never going without because of God's provision God's faithful yeah amen yeah, he he, he uh, kind of gives uh, a little bit of honor to our comment there observing the elders to see what projection of life to follow mm -hmm. so not only to pick somebody that's doing what you want to do but to if you're at the point where you're trying to choose what you want to do with life to find a, a you know look at different people and see what the end result of their life choices is and choose to live that way. Mm -hmm. That seems like wise too. Mm -hmm. So Brad, uh, what is our fortune? Uh, don't murder your marriage. What, what does that mean? What is, that, what is our fortune? So he was talking about how when he was parenting, his kids kept calling him like a, a fortune cookie preacher or a fortune cookie dad. And like in that he had these short, life sayings like you'd find in a fortune cookie yeah. you know a sentence yeah. ways of you know correcting them type yeah of thing. so i don't i don't remember any specific examples of those but that yeah. was the analogy that he made well uh, one would be you win or lose by the way you mm -hmm. choose yeah. and they said that his kids would get so tired here they'd be like <laughs> okay dad i've heard it a million times you should remember it though mm -hmm. yeah uh so on on murder marriage uh, she wrote down a healthy marriage many times depends a lot more on the sermon on the mount than on the passion in the Song of Solomon. Mm -hmm. I thought that was good. Yeah, you yeah. Know, amen. Because as, as young people, we want that passion, you know. Well, but the reality is is that the Sermon on the Mount teaches you how to love each other mm -hmm. and how to live if with each other. If you have the underlying fundamentals and you both have the same underlying fundamentals, then the passion will come naturally. That's exactly right. Amen. amen. Uh, unrighteous anger should always be an unwelcome guest. That's good. Mm -hmm. uh, one that should be one that shouldn't be let in when it comes to visit. Mm -hmm. Treat it like an unwelcome stranger, he That's said. Right. Mm -hmm. And it's, it's very good, too. It, it is very That's good. That's a sign of wisdom. Anyone who, you know, you see that there's a problem and you don't sleep on it, you, you, you fix the problem like you were talking about earlier. Seek out your problems and fix them as they come. That's right. Yeah. There's a, and I, I'm just going to reveal some of the monsters inside of me. There, there's an endorphin release that you can get from punishing for, for whatever the situation. And I learned that if I was feeling good about punishing somebody, something's wrong. Mm. And not, not just my kids, but, but um, other people. If I was taking an action that I felt like would get them back <clears throat> and, and feeling good about that, I, I needed a, a complete breakdown and uh, reassemble and 
because uh, something's wrong with that. Uh, the wrath of man worketh not the right, righteousness Amen. of God. That verse has saved me some, from so much heartache. And one thing that, and I, I can't tell you when this started, but there, there was a pivotal moment in my life where I would be reaming out my child and the Holy Spirit would go, Hmm. Don't you familiar, hate that? Don't it? Yeah. Well, I wish you'd listen to yourself talk oh, here. You know. Yeah. And and I, I don't know if my kids could ever catch it, but mm. I would usually calm down a little bit at that point and realize, uh, you know, Dad probably needs to do a little more soul searching than, you know, reaming the child out. I think God's committed to that form of teaching Isn't us. Isn't that true? Uh, if we're having a problem in our relationship with Him, or generally speaking, He'll light a fire in one of our close associates or close family and we'll have the same problem with them that we're having with God and I tell tell this all the time but Caleb was in uh, the, the junior dogs football forever and he was having a terrible game terrible game just kind of bumping into people he was a, he was a lineman bumping into people and just letting them go by and his man was making tackles and so at halftime I pulled him aside son it's killing me to watch you half-heartedly play this game and like boom I got smacked right then my heavenly father saying the same thing it's killing me to watch you half-heartedly play this game it's and it's not a game it's it's life right. so it, it just <laughs> so Caleb took it the whole, the whole lecture there and he went around behind the bench and puked and then went back into the game, played one of the best second halves he ever played. He had eaten something. He just, just wasn't, wasn't, wasn't in the game. Feeling very good. Ma maybe that. that'll be a lesson to us all. Maybe sometimes we just need to purge so, and reset. We probably need to wrap it up. But that, Oops. Along yeah. those lines. One second. Along those lines. The movie that Brad loves right now, Willy Wonka. <laughs> the bad people, one of the bad persons, every time someone uses the word poor, he makes a, you know, like he's going to throw up because he's so wealthy and rich, he can't handle the poor, you know. Well, that's the way we ought to be when we think about mailing in our effort for the Lord. It, yeah. ought, it ought to make us sick. Makes him nauseous. Amen. Yeah. All right. Lukewarm. Great job. So we're going to end on the Proverbs. Molly gave this one, Psalms 23.6. So the passage that David wrote about the Lord being his shepherd. Surely your goodness and love will follow me all the days of my life and I will dwell in the Lord forever. David expresses his conviction in this verse that the Lord's goodness will be with him throughout his life. In the other parts of the verse, it, he has to walk through the green pastures, the still waters, whichever one lay ahead, but he also had to walk through the valley of the shadow of death, and the Lord's goodness would accompany him throughout. Um, and so that was the verse from Proverbs, Psalm, Proverbs or Psalms, Psalms 23, 6. All right, thank you for joining us tonight. Um, please invite your friends, neighbors, and relatives to next week and share the word on your socials. Have a good night.